Glad you could join us on the Giants Huddle. Today's chat is with retired Giants Super Bowl 25 champion left tackle Jumbo Elliott. You can find the Giants Huddle podcast on all of your favorite podcast platforms, as well as Giants.com or the Giants mobile app. Now, John Elliott was taken on the second round of the 1988 draft out of Michigan, where his six foot seven frame earned him the nickname Jumbo from head coach Bo Schembechler. Yeah, that's correct. A legendary college coach. I was very fortunate in my career, starting in high school from Long Island, New York here. And I always had great coaches, legendary in their perspective uh, levels. You know, I had Freddie Fizarro at Sachem High School, who was very much like Bo and, and later Bill. And then it, I went to Michigan with the Wolverines, and I, um, I played under Bo Schembechler, who's, you know, one of the very top guys of all time in college. Um, and very, you know, very demanding. And then he, he he nicknamed me early on. Him and the coaches um, somehow came up with a nickname Jumbo. And early, and the older guys on the team, the veterans at Michigan, the upperclassmen, took a shine to the nickname, and they just started using it all the time, and it, it just stuck right away. And um, so, and then I went to Parcells, and Parcells, man, he loved that nickname. He wore it out. <laughs> Let me just pick right up from that point because Bill Parcells had his favorite guys, the guys he would say used to drive the wagon all the time, and you were one of those guys. So could you tell people nowadays what it meant to be a Parcells guy? Well, listen, first of all, I can't say, I can never say enough good things about Bill Parcells. You know, he's an all-time legendary Hall of Fame coach. And he was instrumental for me in my development as a pro. Um, you know, him and Freddie Hoagland are the ones who, you know, went against conventional wisdom and thought it'd be best for me to be on the left side, left tackle, which I ended up there uh, for 14 years on Giants and uh, for the Giants and the Jets. So, you know, he, he's um, he's he's just he means the world to me. He's a great great guy. We get along, you know, very well. We got to try to look him up this summer. But um, you know, he, he he's demanding, and um, he he brought out the best in me. I gotta say, you know, uh, I, I'm fortunate to have that kind of coaches in college and in the pros who who were very demanding and knew how to bring out the best uh, in me as a player. Uh, his his structure though, he looked for guys who. He would say, you got to have staying power. I don't want, you know, he didn't want these fly-by-night guys who look great, play like Tarzan for a couple practices in camp and then fade away or show up for, you know, a game here and there and then give you the up-and-down performance routine. He wanted guys who were there uh, week in, week, week out, game in, game out, and season after season. That's what it took to be a Parcells guy. Someone had tremendous staying power, uh, mental toughness and discipline, and a a very, very, very top-level work ethic. A lot of guys will talk about how, you know, they didn't maybe realize it at the time because Bill would get on them and push their buttons and make them angry. But in retrospect, so many of those guys will talk about 
how they knew that they reached their maximum potential because of Parcells. How true was that for you? Uh, I would say 100% accurate. Um, you know, uh, Coach Parcells, um, you know, he, he just had a way of knowing every individual uh, so very well. But he also knew um, you know, the offensive and defensive squads and how they gelled and fit together with the personalities and then the team as a whole. And he knew how to push people certain ways to get, you know, get the end result that's best for the team and the individual. Um, and, you know, look, I love Parcells. I'd do anything for him. But, you know, I could tell you, there's a, <laughs> it's probably a few dozen times I, I, I'd want to wring his neck in practice. <laughs> Without a doubt. That would draw you a 15 yard personal foul flag, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I guess one of the times, I guess a lot of people talk about how pushing buttons, you, you had to go up against Bruce Smith in Super Bowl twenty five. Obviously a very, very difficult assignment for anybody to have to face a Hall of Famer like him. But my goodness, Bill knew, and so did Coach Belichick on the defensive side of the ball, exactly the blueprint that you guys needed to win that game, albeit Scott Norwood did miss that field goal. Uh, one of the great coaching performances I think I'd ever seen. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, you know, credit the defense. The um, They had Norwood at, at, kind of at his upper range there, so he had, to, he had to put a little extra leg in it, and that's why he pushed it a little bit, right? So defense came up huge. But the overall game plan, in our overall season, the, the recipe for success for the New York Giants was a, an offense that could break your will and beat you down and, and, and limit your possessions. In the defense, it would be three and out almost all the time and come up with, you know, key turnovers. And the special teams, the special teams that was lights out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you name it, from punter to kickoff coverage, Renee Thomas, Sean Landetta, uh, Matt Barr, you know, we, we were just solid from top to bottom throughout the lineup. Um, I was talking to you before we came on air here about, um, you know, we had a backup guard who saw a lot of action Super Bowl year in Bobby Cratch. We had depth almost everywhere. So we could, you know, we weren't thin at all. And um, and we love to compete. We had a bunch of Parcells guys who love to compete. And weren't going to hear it, you know, whether we were playing San Francisco, who was going for their three-peat, or the Buffalo uh, Billy Goats up there who were, you know, uh, beating everybody like 50 to 10. Yeah. <laughs> Coaching, 
You know, it wasn't a team that was divided. Um, you know, the pros are the pros, so it's not college, but we had a tight, true team. It wasn't a bunch of like, uh, hurry for me and uh, forget you kind of guys. Well, you know, you talk about the depth and that Super Bowl team of 1990. Rodney Hampton is the young rookie who's exploding onto the scene at running back, but uh, you got Otis Anderson there, the old workhorse. Parcells used to call him Methuselah, remember? And, and right, and Rodney Rodney gets hurt in the in the playoffs, and it's Otis Anderson who winds up becoming Super Bowl twenty five MVP. You guys have that that nine plus minute drive in the third quarter, and Otis is just pounding that ball behind you. I can't even imagine what you guys must have been thinking during that drive. Well, you know, you, we were thinking it was a key point in the game, right? So. We went in there and we knew pretty much that was the entire ball game. Take away Norwood's kick, which could have gone either way, right? It was a hotly contested game. Um, and it really, if we didn't come out and do what we did in that opening drive there, it, you know, we could have seen a much different outlook. Because they were coming out for blood. They knew they wanted to get the ball to their offense and, you know, um, it was it was critical for them, and that was kind of like the last stand for them. And we, I think that's where we, we, you know, that's really the turning point of the game. Now there's there's lots of plays and lots of different things you can look at, but you know if we had come out and went three three and out, and Buffalo goes and scores, you know we could be looking at a whole different night, right? What was your approach to taking on Bruce Smith in that game? I mean, obviously, he did make the one play where he got Haas for the safety. But in all honesty, that guy could be a game wrecker. So what was your mentality about what you were going to have to do to him to win the game? Well, you know what? We played them earlier in the year in uh, the Meadowlands. And, um, you know, I played well against Bruce. And, I, you know, listen, he's a great player. Um, you, you just really had to be on your, on your game at all spots. Some, you know, some guys, you, you could be a little bit, make a half-step mistake here and there and get away with it. But with Bruce, if you're not spot on all the time, you know, you, you're going to get burnt. Now, I will say that the safety play was uh, a designed rollout. Um, I always hated that play. <laughs> but, you know, I'm... I'm supposed to check down to the inside and the back has the end man on the line of scrimmage. So, you know, the back lift on Bruce, you know, I tried to get back out as fast as possible, but it was way too late by then. So, If memory serves, Jumbo, that might have been Otis. Uh, well, you know, it was a running back. Um, you know, in that situation, I would wish we had gone with a sprint out, which was a more direct a uh, faster play, um, you know, but, yeah, it is what it is, and I probably, you know, I, I'm amazed that Hostetler didn't, you know, could hold on to that, put it that way. And, and the, um, uh, but basically, you know, with Bruce, he, you know, even with the Jets, you know, I, I always fare pretty well. Um, it, it's, you know, it's, um, you gotta, you really gotta switch things up with him. Um, he was very mentally smart. He could recognize things very, very fast. Um, and he had a good supporting role around him. So, great challenge, but our attitude was like, look, you know, they had great players everywhere. So, our duty as an offense was to, you know, just keep beating them down and, and, and take it out of them. 
So, you know, I think we possessed the ball for about 40 minutes, 42 minutes or something. But, you know, that was, if you look at the season, we were always averaging like 38, 40 minutes with, with the football. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was just, that was the way we did things. It's Giants football. You know, we're physical. We're going to, you know, we're going to beat you up. And we're going to have our way. And then our defensive guys are going to go out there and make, you know, tremendous plays. And before you know it, you know, we changed the field position a bunch on you, and uh, we took some a couple of possessions away from you. And over the course of the season, you know, that, that gets you a few extra wins. Let me take you to, to 1993 because that was Phil Simms' last year with the team before the tour rotator cuff uh, wound up resulting in, in, you know, him being being gone and retiring uh, eventually. But that's, that season, you got hurt uh, second half of the year. Uh, I remember you played the season finale but then didn't play in the playoffs. I wonder how good do you think that team was had all of you guys been healthy. Phil played the second half of that season with a bad arm. But had you guys been healthy, could that team have done some special things? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, you know, that was, I had a spine issue, and I ended up with surgery after the season. But the, um, uh, for sure, now, 93, um, yeah, I think I made the Pro Bowl that year. I probably should have went to three years before that, not that year. But, you know, those things are weird. The, um, I would say, you know, if not for injuries, like you said, with Phil, um, you know, that was a holdout year, just a year for me. Dan, Dan Reeves came in, correct? Yes. That year. Yes. And, uh, yeah, so that, you know, we would have had an excellent chance if we were healthy. You know, we, we, we still had a core group of guys there. And, um, you know, it, it's really a shame. You know, I always, I was talking to Coach Marcel's, uh, ways back and we were talking about you know that year we were talking about a lot of things but you know I, I was I always said to him I said coach I know you had the health thing and you retired for a little bit you know, he did he went prime time on us and did a little TV and whatnot but I, I always was like we we were beating playoff teams throughout the you know 91 92 93 90 we were, we had a very good talent we were just missing uh Big Bill, Little Bill left us. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I was like, Coach, you know, we we would have been better than the Patriots before the Patriots did what they, what they did. <laughs> we could have kept the gang together. <laughs> no, I think I think you're right. I think the Giants certainly could have won one or two more for sure during that era. It, it's it seemed like there was so much there that that could have been, but hey. You know what? I'll be honest with you, Jumbo. It's not like uh, you know there weren't a lot of wins because there were a lot of good times with those teams. Yeah, oh, for sure. No, no doubt about it. And you know, Dan Reeves is a great coach in his own right. Forget you know for sure. Uh, it's just you know, Parcells had a little something. Um, actually, he he had a little something more to connect with that team and, and all the players on it. And we re- we really missed him when he when he when he took his time out there for a while. So that no, so we were you know we had a lot of regret there for sure. Um, and um, you know you know Phil Phil look how gutty Phil is. Imagine if Phil was healthy. I know. Uh, you know that would that would oh my god that would have been a lot different. 
Yeah, so yeah, I'd I miss, um, who'd we play in the playoffs? San Fran? Wasn't that, you know, that was, that was, that was, you guys went out to San Francisco after beating Minnesota at home, went out to Candlestick, and that turned out to be Phil and Lawrence Taylor's last game. Right, exactly. And, you know, there I am, I got a blown out disc, and I'm like, uh, you know, I'm not even there for that one. So, yeah, that that was a miserable end of the season. <laughs> oh, God. You know, though, in, in bringing up Lawrence Taylor, though, Jumbo, I got I got to ask you something because I remember the, the stories back then because I was covering the team in those days about how Lawrence would, would keep asking for you to be in the lineup during practice because nobody else could push him and, and give him any competition at all. I mean, I, I, I mean, I think on one hand you have to feel great respect and admiration that Lawrence wants you in there. On the other hand, you got to be saying to yourself, "Can I get a couple of reps off?" <laughs> you know what? You just gave me goosebumps when you said that. <laughs> I think you know. To, to me, you know, obviously Lawrence is an all-time giant, and uh, you know, I always credit Parcells and Freddie Hoagland, my line coach, who developed me as a left tackle, uh, but. You know, one of the key ingredients I always say is um, Lawrence Taylor had a huge, you know, I can't even say enough about what a big role he had in my development as a player. And, you know, I, he just had everything there is to have in a defensive player. So, he, you know, he, he was tremendous for me as a young tackle to get to mix it up with him. And he was, you know, he's a great teammate. I mean, me and him could, you know, we yell at each other, or you know, you could, I could get on his nerves, or vice versa. But you know, he he was, um, he lockered two lockers down, and we were, we were, you know, we were all extremely tight. And the, um, it was, it was just an honor to practice against the guy, you know. So that's you gave me goosebumps by saying that for sure. <laughs> um, you know the. Um, um, Parcells, you know, Parcells might have instigated a little something before the Super Bowl, but Lawrence and myself, too, you know, the, uh, uh, make sure I was cranked up and ready to go and to get a point across to the team as well. Um, but look, can you imagine what you, we, you walk into a game as a team and, you know, we're pretty good, but then we have Lawrence Taylor, right? So mm-hmm. it's kind of like you have a you have a security blanket. It's like, you just know that Lawrence is going to do two or three things during that game that's going to flip the field or change the momentum. It, it was just such a luxury to have that guy. He gave the offense, you know, obviously he was a great defensive guy, but he gave the offense a lot of uh, confidence, too. It was just incredible to watch you guys go out at, at practice. It was a learning experience and, in some ways, even more fun than the games. So, so you wind up doing eight years with the Giants and six years with the Jets for a New York native. My goodness, Jumbo, you you got to look back at that and say that was a ton of fun. Oh yeah, for sure. New York fans are the best. You know, New York fans are extremely smart. They're very knowledgeable, and uh, they can be hard, no doubt. But you know, that's New York. And um, you know, one of the other big regrets is we got to ring with the Giants. I, I regret. We could have had several more runs at it. We've been in the mix there, but wasn't to be. And, you know, um, when Parcells came over with the Jets, you know, we all always got one with the, with the Jets there in 98. Mm-hmm. That would have capped it, right? <laughs> you know, a ring with the two New York teams, that would have been a real 
real capper for the career, but uh, we came very close out in Denver in 98. It just slipped away from us. Well, the Giants certainly hope that there's another one sometime in their future. And Jumbo, it looks as though they have done a good job trying to rebuild that offensive line. As somebody I know who studies the game still today and watches these games uh, with a lot of loyalty, what do you see the biggest challenges for these Giants as they move forward with these new guys on the offensive line, specifically Andrew Thomas, the rookie they've drafted out of Georgia? They expect him to be a stud for many years to come. Yeah, you know, great expectations there and very exciting. Um, you know, I had I didn't get to see him a lot in college, but, uh, you know, other than highlights. But overall, our giant offensive line is not where it needs to be, right? So what are we, like mid-pack, ranked right around 20th line or something like that? Mm-hmm. And that's just not Giants football. And it hasn't been that, uh, Giants football for, for a number of years now. Um, you know, so, I'm not, you know, we need to get back to that. We got a really great running back. We have a, a bright young quarterback. It looks like he's on the up and coming. And, um, it's just, we gotta, we have to do our job up front. So Thomas has me excited. You know, we can't be 20th ranked O-line. We, we gotta move up into the top 10 for sure this year. And, and then, you know, obviously, you know, you prefer to be in the top five always, but, you know, we gotta make one step at a time. So we got, we got a possibility of, does Thomas play his natural position at left tackle, uh, like he did in college, or do we, or do we see a possible move of Nate, uh, Solder? over to the right side right side for that or, or are we going to see Nate we got a uh, I think you know the Giants committed to him um, with a with a um, the contract mm-hmm. uh, so do we keep him on the left side and see if Thomas can can uh, grow up on the right side before taking over eventually on the left this is going to be interesting without without the OTAs and football camp a little different now than back in our day. <laughs> Let's say that uh, it's it's a little it's going to be hard because you know for, for one thing he's a rookie, so he needs to get his feet wet. Um, and the other thing is for his shoulder where to move. That's the only thing. I was a left tackle my whole career, and if, I, if they moved me to the right side, I would have been like a fish out of water for for at least a little while. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, that's a huge adjustment. So I want to see, I'm curious to see if they try that move right away, where they let the kid work into it first, you know, uh, competing on the right side and plugging that hole. So that's one thing to watch for sure. Um, I think Pert, we got a big kid, Pert, coming in there who's more of a, a project. You know, I'm sure he'll see action on short yardage and stuff like that. But, you know, it looks like he's someone who needs coached up for a year or two before he's, you know, uh, a real mainstay. Uh, so I'd say he's more in the project category. And listen, if Pert surprises me and he's, he's an ass kicker right away, hats off and all, you know, I'm not happy about it. <laughs> so <laughs> forget it. So we could have a battle on the right side with Pert, who's a project, Thomas, unless they go right away with him at left tackle, and then Fleming. You know, Fleming's a great pickup because he can play both sides. Right. Right? So now we're getting back. Remember, we were talking about my Super Bowl team, what a deep team we had to see. That, I'm, I'm very 
glad to see that we got him because, we, you know, you need depth, and if guys get hurt or whatever, you don't want to see a massive drop-off. You want to be able to sustain things. So, so he's big, um, and you know that's he's going to be in the mix for sure. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, I'm saying he's a backup, but he's in the mix at right tackle. He can compete and win that job. Um, and then you know, yeah, center—that's the next biggest thing. That center with a young quarterback who's still learning. What do you do there? You probably keep the. Well, Spencer Pulley is the holdover right now. Jalapio is still coming off of injury. And then they think that Lemieux, the kid they drafted out of Oregon, may be in the mix. Well, Lemieux, I don't know enough about. Now he's got to make a he's got to make a name for himself. Uh, you know, first three draft picks usually, you know, get get a little bit longer look. Uh, once you drop down to the fourth, fifth round and stuff, you you got to show something. And so hopefully he will. I, I imagine you keep Pulley there because he's got more experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Gates could surprise in camp. Uh, you know, we'll see on that one. But you know, I think the experience probably wins out with a younger quarterback. Um, you know, I think the most exciting thing to see is will they move Nate over to the right side and, and, and let Thomas just from day one say left tackle is his position? Or, you know, uh, or do they choose that? Or do they choose... Uh, to go ahead and let Thomas compete with Kurt and Fleming um, on the right side and then keep me over on the left side. Offensive linemen have always said to me they'd love to run block. It's easier and it and it's better in terms of you guys are on the attack instead of receiving that pass rush. Even though they've got a Daniel Jones, they've also got Saquon Barkley back there. So I'm sure if you were playing on this offensive line, you'd rather see Barkley run it 30 times a game, wouldn't you? Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's funny. I was talking to an old teammate. You remember Giant Joe Morris? Right? Oh, little Joe. Yeah, little Joe. I was talking to his brother Jamie, who was a Redskin for for a few. Years. And a Michigan guy, by the way, Jamie Morris, like yourself. Exactly. I was just talking to him last night, and he still holds the record for carries in a game. You know, Joe Gibbs tried to kill him. He almost <laughs> he, he had like forty five attempts or something. I mean, you know, it's funny you say thirty carries because. I was like, you know, I was making fun of Jamie last night. We were having a little fun. I was saying, oh, my God. You know, nowadays, if someone carries the ball 25, 30 times, you know, they might protest. (laughs) (laughs) It's a different game. But uh, the the run game, though, for sure, could be the quarterback's best friend for play action and creating space. Uh, Absolutely. I'm all about that. Um, It is different, though, run blocking. You can't. Now I've got, I know coaches, and, and you know, so it's it's changed how you can coach football and teach football. So um, you know, it might be easier for the guys now, but because it, it's not as hard, it's not they don't master it the same. It's more about shielding and uh, positioning, and not you know, not so much dominating. Um, I would like to see us get more like um, I'm looking for Hernandez, our guard. To, you know, I think he's on the right path, and now he's got to be consistent and like take that next extra step. Um, you know, I, I like to see him more dominating as opposed to being adequate um, finishing guys and, and you know creating creases for Saquon. And there's, there's absolutely no reason Barkley shouldn't be in, in the top rushers. Every, you know, year in and year out. 
take a lot of pressure off the quarterback. And, um, you know, it'll help the defense, it'll help the special teams, and it'll help us win. What is it about the offensive line today, the style of play that they play, Jumbo, that, that's different from the style of offensive line that you played in your day? Is it much different? Is it more about or less about technique than it used to be? Yeah, well, you, you, the technique is just not there. You know, when, they, when they're coming out of school, um, you know, the offenses are different now in college. So they're coming out with different skill sets. And, you know, the practice is different. You know, on every level now, the contact they can have and the amount of uh, um, repetitions you can have, it's all changed. It's all very limited. So you can't do now what you did in the 90s or the 80s, or you probably get arrested as a coach. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so... So you're coming out, and the guys are used to these, uh, you know, these run-pass option offenses, and it's more about positioning and shielding. Um, you know, I'm generalizing. You know, obviously there's exceptions to that, but the um, it, it's just a little bit. Um, you know, it, listen, it's still one of the hardest positions there is, and one of the, and the hardest things there is in sport. But it's it is if you look at different eras, it is a softer. then in addition to to those things the way the game and and the the position has evolved this year because of the learning off of a television or computer screen i can only imagine how difficult how the offensive line play is going to be whenever it is that they actually get on the field this season bingo you, you know you just nailed something that's so important now as it is it started to look like uh, we're always changing rules if you notice, the first three games or so was a little sketchy, you know, turnovers and penalties and false starts and blah, blah, blah. It was sloppy, right? So the first three games in the modern era have kind of become like the, the preseason, almost. And so I think that just, we, we're going to see that trend continue. And, you know, it, it's very challenging as a coach. Um, you know, as far as you, you can look at the playbook, and you can coach online, and, and like, what do they do? Zoom now, they call it. I'm not very technical. <laughs> <laughs> they got a lot of names for it. It's a screen. That much I can tell you. It's a screen. <laughs> okay. Yeah, look, all right, so we're looking at a screen, and that's great. And the coaches are trying to do what they can in, in this environment. But, boy, you can't have a – even a walkthrough is so important, you know, to get out there – and put the image in your head and what the coach is trying to convey to you, uh, there's subtleties that have to be, you have to do in person, you have to do live, even if it's half speed. You know, you get to see, you got to time it up with the running back. Saquon's got to see it, you know, the different angles, the way the different defenses will respond to those plays. There's like a dozen subtleties that, that are missed by, you know, doing what they're doing on screen. Although I know they have no choice. That's what they have to do right now. But it's going to make for a very interesting year, and it's going to be harder on um, 
you know, physically, it's better for the guys in today's game, but, you know, it's going to be harder for the young guys to, to, to pick up the game as fast without the OTAs and the mini camps and, um, you know, the full go summer camps. That is retired Giants left tackle Jumbo Elliott, who played for the Big Blue from 1988 through 1995. A reminder, you can find the Giants Huddle podcast on all of your favorite podcast platforms via the Giants mobile app or on Giants.com. Until next time, I'm Paul Dottino. So long, everybody.